Welcome to the Hacking Happy Podcast. My name is Penny Lacasso and I am the world's first happiness hacker. I'm on a bold mission, a mission to teach 10 million humans how to intentionally adapt in order to future-proof happiness by 2025. Six years ago, I turned my life completely upside down in pursuit of happiness. I left a 16-year career as an executive in a global giant at the absolute top of my game. I relocated my family from Perth back to Melbourne, which is like moving from LA to New York, left an 18-year relationship and started my own purpose-driven company, HackingHappy.co. I have now spent the past six years as an entrepreneur with a deep-seated passion for learning how I can hack my own happiness and help beautiful humans just like you to do the same. I truly believe the world is suffering from happiness poverty, and I'm making absolutely no apologies in searching for a solution. In this podcast, I'll share my hacking happiness journey, my experiments, some of them crazy, my conversations with experts, and most importantly, practical hacks that enable you to let go of the things that are not serving you and lean in to more of what lights you up. But be warned, you may find it a little uncomfortable, but I'm going to challenge you that that's exactly where you need to be because growth occurs in discomfort. So if you're ready to cultivate a practice of injecting more joy into every day, let's get started. Greetings and welcome back, beautiful humans, to another episode of the Hacking Happy podcast. I think you're going to find that this week's topic and what we're going to talk about is probably going to resonate with a hell of a lot of you just based on what I'm hearing from the over nearly 700 people now that have taken our Hacking Happy assessment uh, via hackinghappy.co. The challenge we're going to talk about today is one of the most common challenges across the tribe of happiness hackers that I have the amazing good fortune of getting to share my time and my experiments with. So let's get down to what I've been thinking about a lot lately. And what I've been thinking about a lot lately is time. Time and how our use of it impacts the level of energy that we have, the level of anxiety that we feel, and equally the level of happiness that we experience. Now, why is this? And like, I cannot tell you how much time I've invested in time, yeah, in trying to work out how to use my time in a way that enables me to feel more often like I'm not in this space of surviving, but I'm operating in a space of thriving continuously. So the reason I want to talk about time today and how our use of it impacts those three things, energy, anxiety, and our level of happiness is because if I had a dollar for every time I sat down with a smart, successful woman who told me her dream, an amazing dream, something she's longing to do, yeah, she'd tell me her dream and then she would go on after all this energy talking about this dream and all of this enthusiasm and tell me that she just didn't have the time to make it happen because she was too busy. Now, if I had a dollar for every time a woman told me that, I would be a wealthy woman. So I wonder 
I wonder if this is you. Are you someone who is longing to make a change in your life? Perhaps it's in your career. Perhaps it's in your relationship. Perhaps it's something in your life. But you just find you're too busy to find the time to make it happen. Now, if this does sound like you, the aim of this podcast is to help you take back control of your time so that you can eliminate the distraction that is holding you back and create the space for more of the things that light you up, more of the change that you want to make, turning those dreams into reality rather than putting them in the back drawer until the right day arrives where you'll magically arrive at this space where you're no longer busy. So in last week's episode, I shared the intentional adaptability methodology that I have created to help those seeking to hack their happiness. Yeah, And if you missed it, you might want to go back because it's a great precursor to this session and many of the other podcasts that are going to follow. So the reason I bring this up is one of the key skills to building your intentional adaptability quotient, which is the methodology that I've created, and injecting more happy into each day is focus. How do you focus in a world that's designed to distract you? Now, when I teach people how to hack their happiness, the first place we generally start is with building skill in focus, and there is good reason for it. The reality is what gets your attention gets your energy, regardless of whether it is in your service or not. What gets your attention is what gets your energy. So perhaps consider that for a moment. What is getting your attention in most of your days? Where are you investing your energy? And again, this links back to what I was talking about at the start. It's time. How do you spend your time? Now, it's hard to focus if your time is constantly spent distracted. And the reality is that many of us now spend our days distracted, not through intention, but through the design of the environment that we now live in and the way that we are now so aware that technology is developed to capture as much of our attention as humanly possible. So let me give you a little bit of a story to start this dialogue today around the use of time, the impact of distraction, and how we can do something about it. And this story goes back a couple of years now, and it's probably one of my favourites in the context of what's come up in the work that I do. So I was in a corporate setting probably about, it was probably about two years ago now, and I was running a program that was quite popular that I created called the Busy Equals Bullshit Workshop. Yes, I have a Busy Equals Bullshit Workshop. Now, there was a large group of professionals entering the room, and one by one, as these participants arrived to the Busy Equals Bullshit Workshop, I decided to ask them, why would you come to a program that's called Busy Equals Bullshit? What's the appeal? And one by one, their responses were the same. I came because I'm feeling crazy busy, I feel anxious, and I want you to teach me how to become more productive. Now, I love the word productive because I actually think our focus on productivity is part of our challenge at the moment, especially in the context of this busy environment that many of us find ourselves in. So when they said, you know, I feel crazy busy, I'm often anxious, and I want you to teach me how to be more productive, I got really curious about the word Productive. What did they mean by productive? So I asked them, correct me if I'm wrong, but you came here feeling insanely busy. You feel overwhelmed often, and you'd like me to teach you 
how to squeeze more into an already full day, to which the resounding response was, yes, exactly. Welcome, listeners, to what I term the busy epidemic. This is a place where the word busy has become a vocabulary staple. Every waking moment is full. Podcasts are often played at 1.5 to two times the speed. Busy bragging is a real thing. Sleep is often restless and curiosity and innovation stifled. Does any of this resonate? I wonder. The reality is busy has become an on-trend state of mind and it is growing exponentially in a digitally connected world. Let's take pause for a moment and just think about this this beautiful word busy, this interesting word busy. I want you to consider for a moment, reflect back over the last 24, 48 hours, for example. And I want you to think about how often in that time frame, 24 to 48 hours, have you used the word busy? Now, don't be concerned if you're someone who uses the word busy frequently, because my research has shown that 84% of professionals use the word busy between one and five times a day. So now I want you to consider how the word busy and the use of it so often is impacting your mindset, your behaviour and the relationships that you have. A wise psychologist once said to me when we were talking about busy on a panel, she said to me, a busy mind will go to anxiety It's only a matter of time. Sadly, we are up against it when it comes to feeling busy. Yeah, the cards are stacked against us. And why is that? Well, I don't think it's going to come as any surprise that our attention, your attention, has become a highly valuable commodity. So valuable, in fact, that companies like Netflix now tout sleep as one of their biggest competitors. I mean, I don't know, I've been aware of this for quite some time and talking about it on stages around the world, but every time I say that, I find it so disturbing. They are competing with sleep because they want more eyeballs watching Netflix. It's why when you get to the end of a Netflix movie or a series, not a series or an episode, things just keep playing on because they want to keep you there as long as they can. Cal Newport, um, who wrote the brilliant book, Deep Work, his research that he talks about in that book, which I highly recommend, changed my life. That book has shown that we have created a whole generation to operate in nothing but a constant state of distraction. There's a lot of research going on at the moment where they're finding that the next generation is neurally programmed differently to past generations because they're so used to constantly being online and being distracted by multiple things. And the other interesting thing while we're talking about research is that the research that I've done through the programs and the intentional adaptability assessment or the hacking happy assessment that we have has shown that smart educated people no longer feel that they are in control of their mindset or if we go back to where we started, they no longer feel like they're in control of their time and where their time goes. Now, I'm guessing many of you listening are probably people who get to the end of the day and you're like, where did that day go? What did I do with it? And you've still got that to-do list next to you where hardly any of it's done. You're not alone. The reality is that our relentless pursuit for productivity yeah, has become our disease. Our focus on constantly doing and being busy is compromising our state of being, human being. That's what we are, human beings. We're meant to be and we be less than ever. 
if that ever makes if that even makes sense. Busy continues to hold us back, and as we unconsciously respond to distraction, and the sad thing is that the things that truly matter and light us up get sidelined, sidelined at the expense of busy. And what is the cost of that long term? Today, I want to challenge you to consider a different perspective, and I'm a huge fan of challenging ourselves to look at the world through a different lens because that is how we are open to change. It's how we're open to experimenting with things that could potentially make our lives better. And so the perspective I wanna challenge you with today is to perhaps consider what if busy equaled bullshit? I used to be busy. I used to be a very busy person. And then I made an intentional choice, a choice to opt out of busy. I felt like it was no longer serving me. And I have to be completely honest, the impact of opting out of being busy has been profound on pretty much every level of my life. I now have the time to do the things that light me up on a regular basis, not ad hoc once every three months when I might have a random day off. These things, these beautiful things that I now have the time to do that used to get sidelined are as simple, as tiny as cuddling my son in the morning before he goes to school and making the time for that. As simple as exercising, doing yoga, journaling, hiking and spending a hell of a lot more time connected with nature. And there's so many more things. I mean, just this morning, I chose and I often choose not to start working until around nine o'clock in the morning. My mornings are actually committed to doing the things that light me up. I gift myself the start of the day so that I don't start busy. And you would be astounded at how just that simple practice impacts the flow and the energy and happiness levels, not to mention the level of productivity that I have throughout the hours that I do spend working. I do so much less than I used to do, but the impact I'm having on my life and equally on the lives of others is so much more because I've opted out of busy. Why? Why is this the case? Well, because I have trained myself to be intentional with my time. And I love the word intentional. I spoke at length about it last week. I think it's a brilliant word to have stuck at your desk. I have made an intentional choice in how I use my time and how I choose not to fill every moment of my time. What would it look like for you to bring intentionality to the forefront of your time? How would that shift how your days play out, how your energy levels operate throughout the day, your happiness? Just think about it for a moment. Now, the more I played in this space of reducing the what I term the white noise in this distracted environment that we find ourselves in, the more curious I became about our brains. I'm very curious about neuroscience. I do a lot of reading in this space. I became very curious about our brains and how we can optimize them for greater happiness and impact. Okay. So it was interesting. I wanted to understand what was going in my brain because I felt going at a slower pace was actually making my brain much more effective when I do have to do focused, specific work that is big chunks, you know, the important stuff. And I wanted to understand what was going on. And I came across this brilliant TED Talk by an amazing woman called Manoush Zimrodi. I will pop the TED Talk in the show notes so you can have a look at it. I would 
highly recommend this TED Talk. It's one of my favourites. And she spoke about how we get our best ideas in boredom. And she also shared in this TED Talk how the neuroscience has proven time and time again that our brains do their best work in stillness. Not when we're distracted, not when we're busy, not when we're doing 100 things, when we're actually bored and doing nothing. Now, this made absolute sense to me. Why do you think it is that you get your best ideas in the shower? Because the reality is it's the only space left these days where we're not constantly connected or distracted by something. Most of us, yeah? And one would argue we used to have some of that time on the toilet, but we now know most people are on their phones in the toilet as well. Now, the other thing I absolutely love to reference is Warren Buffett, is, if you Google this online, has got a brilliant little video with Bill Gates where they're being interviewed years ago. And Warren famously says in this video that time is the most precious resource we have available to us. He says, I can buy anything in the world, anything, but I cannot buy back my time. And so he guards it with his life. And they go through in this video Warren's notebook, his diary with his, you know, calendar of, of what he's got on over the coming months. And there's pages and pages that are blank. Not you would imagine someone like Warren would have back-to-back, you know, meetings given he's one of the wealthiest humans in the world and serious uh, business investor. But no, he just has loads of blank space. And that is, again, he's intentional. And he says he's intentional with his time. He wants to leave the space so that he can work on the things that truly light him up and are important to him. So if you are like the many professionals I've worked with over the past couple of years who feel that they are constantly operating in a state of busy and not able to find the time for the things that truly do light them up or to make the change that they long for in their, as I mentioned, their career or their life, I want to challenge you. As a result of listening to today, I want to challenge you to become an observer of your time over the next couple of days just an observer. Just watch from the moment you get up to the moment you go to sleep, what you do with your time. Not just the large blocks, I'm talking the little bits, because that's where the opportunity is. It's where we constantly fill the space. What are you doing with your time? How are you spending it? Now, I did this a while back, hugely powerful exercise, get a pen and paper, keep it with you, and just write down Every time you do something new, every time you do something with your time, what you're doing and what time of the day you're doing it. Become an observer of your time and just go back at the end of a couple of days and have a look at what you've written down and consider what you can experiment with trying to get rid of. And I think this is really important, right? What can you experiment with trying to get rid of from that list? What are you spending your time on that is not actually adding value to your life, that is not moving you closer to where you want to be, that is not lighting you up and energising you and making you feel good? What can you experiment with in dropping from how you spend your time. And the reason this is so important is I think we're very good at trying to add more things into our time, more things into our day. And like where we started with the story that I shared, you can't fill a full pond. You can't keep pouring more into a busy day. We need to start looking at what we can take away so that we can create the space for this, our brains, to recharge and re-energize so that they can do their best work. And then we can look once we've 
gotten rid of some of the water out of that full pond, we can start to look at how we put things back in that actually do energize us, that do make us feel good, that are moving us closer to the dreams that we have longed for, but not had the time to move forward on. Now, the other thing I want to do is share with you, I'm a big fan of giving you really simple hacks, experiments, because I myself I don't call myself an expert. I call myself an imperfect experimenter. I am constantly experimenting in the space of hacking happiness. That is what this realm is all about. And so what I want to give you is a couple of experiments for you to pick and choose what you think will work best for you in starting to look at how you can remove this distraction, this constant state of distraction that so many of us find ourselves in, this noise of busy, get rid of the busy, choose to intentionally remove it and create space. Now, you don't need to worry about what you're going to do with your space. I will help you with that in the coming weeks ahead over the podcast. What I'm trying to do at the moment is gift those of you who want time back in your day to focus on more of what matters to you. I want to gift you experiments that will start to enable you to do that. And like I say, everything's an experiment. Everyone's journey is different. Pick and choose what feels right for you. So let me share with you my little six ways to minimize distraction and create the space for more of what matters. And I'm going to walk you through each one. So the first one, number one, remove busy, the word busy from your vocabulary. It contains no useful information. And more often than not, it is code for something else. I write about this in the book, code for distraction, yeah, for overwhelm, for anxiety, for loneliness, for fear of missing out, for self-validation. Stop using the word busy and instead replace it with something that's more reflective of how you're actually feeling. I removed the word busy from my vocabulary. It must be nearly three years ago now. Game changer, absolute game changer. So when people ask me how I am, I no longer say I'm busy. I now say I'm positively engaged. That's my word. You can pick your own. And they said, what do you mean? Because so many people are expecting me when they ask that question to give them the default response of I'm busy because that's how we all tend to respond, which is not really a conversation opener, is it? When I say I'm positively engaged, they say, what do you mean? I say my life is full, but I'm doing things that I absolutely love. It changes the dynamic of conversation. And not only that, more often than not, it prompts the other person to say, explain to me how you got to this point. And often they walk away going, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try not using busy. So try getting rid of busy from your vocabulary. Swap it out for something that is more positive and more reflective of how you actually want to spend your time. See what happens. Try it for one week and just see what happens. You will be astounded at how it changes what goes on in your mind, how it changes what goes on in your environment, and how it changes the way you connect with people when you don't use this word. That is my first hack and one of my favorites. Those of you who know me will have heard me talk about getting rid of busy many times before. Hack number two. This is another one. It's so simple, right? But so, so impactful. So many of us now use our mobile phones as alarm clocks. It is one of the worst things you can do if you don't want to be distracted. Get rid of your phone from your bedroom. 
Do not bring your phone into your bedroom. The world is not going to change overnight. And if it does, it doesn't matter because there's nothing you can do about it. You can't control what's going on out in the external environment. The only thing you can control is how you respond, how you behave and the mindset you bring to it. So get rid of your phone out of the bedroom. Buy an old school alarm clock and have it in your bedroom. The reason for this is that so many of us roll over in the morning when our phones go off because the alarm is on the phone and the first thing we start to do is doing. We start scrolling through emails. We start checking social media, right? Your brain is going straight into that distracted mode. It's not intentional and you are immediately doing rather than being. Remove your phone from the bedroom, get an alarm clock and put some conditions around the time that you'll actually check your phone first in the morning. Now, Often now, I don't actually check my phone. I actually put it on um, silent mode in the kitchen. All devices in our house stay in the kitchen at night. Switch them off at around 7.30, 8 o'clock and don't switch them back on till roughly around 7 o'clock the next morning. If that makes you feel anxious, then you should definitely do it because I'm guaranteeing you, you will feel less anxious over time if you are less connected to these devices. Hack number three unfollow on social media. Oh, I did this last year. I've never done it before. So I remember looking at my LinkedIn feed and I've got a following on LinkedIn, I think of something like eight and a half thousand people. And all of these people would come into my feed and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know who this person is. I don't really want to see this. It feels like noise. It's not really helping me. I'm getting distracted and I'm getting lost in the feed. I'm spending more time here than I want to. And so I started to do a little bit of research online because social media, funnily enough, they make it really hard for you to mass unfollow people. So you've got to do it one by one, whether it's Instagram or whether it's LinkedIn, right? You've got to go through one by one and hit an unfollow button. And they do that for good reason because they don't want you to unfollow because they want you to your eyeballs again on that piece of technology, on that feed, as long as they can keep you there because then they can expose you to more advertising, right? So I did some research and again, I'm going to pop what I used in the show notes for both LinkedIn and Instagram. And there are apps and there's also some code out there that's very easy to use. I am not a techie person where you can mass unfollow on these platforms. And basically I mass unfollowed on LinkedIn. I mass unfollowed on Instagram. I went right back to zero and I rebuilt up my feed with just the people that I wanted to see. Not 8,000 people, roughly around 10 to 20 on each platform. And you know what the magic of this was? For the first time in as long as I could remember when I did that, I scrolled through Instagram and within two minutes, I was at, it actually said, you are at the end of your feed. And I was like, this is brilliant. There was no need for me to stay on Instagram anymore, wasting my time distracted, because I was at the end of my feed and I haven't added a lot more people to Instagram. So I'm still often getting to the end of my feed. So try unfollowing. And, and I mean, it goes against the grain. I'm here on social media, you know, sharing this particular podcast on live stream to my beautiful uh, Facebook community, the Hacking Happy Collective, the private Facebook group. And, um, you know, I use social media and there's nothing wrong with social media. There is loads of goodness within it when we use it intentionally. So go back to what your original intention on social media was, and I'll guarantee you it wasn't to sit there for hours aimlessly scrolling and unfollow and start afresh. Trust me, it's liberating, absolutely liberating. Number four, hack number four to minimise distraction and create space for more of what matters to you. 
Remove social media apps from your phone and set times to check your social media, if you so desire, on a desktop. And I'm sure that's going to make you feel very uncomfortable. A lot of you who spend a lot of time on social media. Again, I have been a lover of social media. I use it a lot, but I just found that having the apps on my phone all the time was not serving me. It was basically filling space that I didn't want filled. It was distracting me from work that I really wanted to do. And so I removed a number of those apps from my phone. And like I say, I check social media once or twice a day. I do it on my desktop. I do have Instagram on my phone because of Insta Stories, which I wish I could get rid of it, but I can't do Insta Stories on my desktop. I've looked, trust me, I've done the research. That's not something um, that's available at the moment, but try and eliminate as many social media apps from your phone as possible. And again, like I say, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, just try it. It's an act of courage, yeah, an act of micro-bravery. Try it for a week or two and become an observer of what happens. Just notice that's the point of these experiments. Hack number five. Now, this is something I have been playing with in the last week with a beautiful friend of mine, Lisa Leong, who is an ABC podcaster um, and radio host. She's got a great podcast, if you love a podcast, called This Working Life, which is all around how to get the best out of work. And Lisa and I have been exploring this idea of a tech Sabbath, a day, 24 hours, where we completely disconnect at the end of the week uh, in order to celebrate the work that we've done across the week and gift ourselves permission to recharge, reflect, and completely be present and connected to the things and the people that we love. So we started this experiment last Friday and basically Tech Sabbath is disconnecting for 24 hours. At the end of our four-week experiment, I'm going to do a full podcast on this, but for those wanting to try it out, um, I will go live on IGTV this Friday when I do it around 3 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time and share what we're experimenting with at the moment. But basically, you're shutting off for 24 hours. You shut down your computers, you shut down your iPads, you shut down your mobile phone, and you don't use any of them for 24 hours. Now, it does require a little bit of preparation. If you're going somewhere, you might need to print a map or something like that. But I love, I absolutely, I've done it the last week. I've done it once. I'm absolutely loving what it's doing for me in terms of my mind, in terms of recharging me, and in terms of getting me, creating the space for things like more hiking, more time with my son, soccer. We played mini golf, those sorts of things. So try Tech Sabbath and come and join me over on IGTV at 3 p.m. on Friday and I will share what that looks like in terms of the whole ritual to make that happen. Last, number six, hack number six to minimise distraction and create the space for more of what matters, try focusmate.com. Now I have spoken about focusmate at length. This particular piece of tech and there are multiple pieces of tech out there that actually do make us better humans, that do help us move closer to the things that we want to achieve, the goals that we have, the dreams that we want to make. Focusmate is the reason why I wrote a book in three months after getting my publishing deal and getting a very tight deadline to deliver that book. Focusmate is a very simple piece of technology where you schedule a time to work on something that you really want to work on, something really intentional, be it personal or be it work. You put it in this calendar on Focusmate. It matches you with a random stranger somewhere around the world and you jump online at that scheduled time and the two of you share what you're going to work on, which will be completely different, and you sit there in silence 
and you work on whatever it is that you want to intentionally work on. Now, the science shows that when you have to show up and be accountable to another human, even if it's a random stranger, you're more likely to deliver what you set out to deliver. So give it a go. I'm a huge advocate of it. It's free. I think you get five free sessions a week. It's well worth a try if you want to create the space for less distracted work time or less distracted personal time on something that matters to you. So there you have it. Six ways you can start to take back control of your time and create the space to start to turn more of those dreams, more of those things that you longed for into reality. I will include, as I mentioned, a series of links in the show notes around the different tools that I've referenced, the TED Talk that I referenced, so that you can learn more about these different things and explore them in a way that is meaningful for you. I'd love to hear how you get on with any of these experiments, any of these hacks. So if you do decide to try something in a week's time, jump into my DMs when you've had a play with some of this stuff over on Instagram, hackinghappy.co. And let me know how it all plays out. I love to hear about people experimenting with these hacks. Now, next week, you will not want to miss, especially if you are someone where today's content has resonated with you, because next week we're going to focus further on building skill and focus. And I'm going to talk about one of the things that I get asked the most, and that is, how do I say no? How do I say no? How do I learn to love a no? How do I get good at delivering a no so that I can stop doing things that are not aligned to the life that I want? They're not aligned to the work that I want to do. And I can create the space for more of this stuff that lights me up. So next week is all about hacks on how to deliver a no and how to get confident in doing it because it's just another beautiful way to remove water from this full pond that so many of us are trying to put more water into, they're busy in order to create more space. But until then, happiness looks good on you. Have a beautiful week and I'll be back with you on the podcast next week. Bye for now. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of the Hacking Happy Podcast. If there was something that ignited a flame or sparked a thought within you, From this conversation, please take a screenshot and share it on your preferred social media platform. Feel free to tag me in Hacking Happy Co or Penny Lacalso. Reviews are so important to reaching my goal of making 10 million beautiful humans just like yourself happier. So if you enjoyed your listen, please take a moment, leave a review and a rating on your preferred podcast listening platform. Until the next episode, remember, happiness looks good on you. Bye for now.